but because you expressed yourself so openly right away, I kind of felt like I had to be the quote-unquote rock in the relationship at that point. So, for me, I, I guess I bottled it up maybe, or locked it away, or just pretended like I was going to be okay with all of it. And um, I just got through it. This is an interview I had with my husband, Ryan. We've been together since I graduated college over 11 years ago. We've been through so much in our relationship, as every couple does, and we've always made it through thick and thin. When we said our marriage vows to each other on our wedding day, we included promises to each other. We promised to love and support each other in our life ahead, to continue to work in tandem, especially through the challenging times, because those are the moments that will make us a stronger couple. We promised our love will only continue to grow and that we can truly face anything that comes our way. These vows hang above our bed and are a constant reminder to us to stay connected. Of course, every relationship is unique. Every family structure and internal and external pressures are unique, and circumstances seem to change hourly when caring for a child with a cancer diagnosis or a chronic illness. This is our story, and we wanted to share this to encourage others to continue to find and speak your voice, especially through those darkest times. Welcome back to the All Mama Care podcast. Today, I have my husband with me. Um, I've heard from a couple of people that have been requesting to hear from a dad's point of view. Um, So I thought it would be great to have Ryan back on and talk about kind of how he's handling things and since going back to work how you know he's been able to prioritize things um so welcome rye hi we've been living kind of week to week right now um and today is a non-busy day so we thought we would pop on and record our conversation yeah while ollie naps let's cross our fingers that it's a long nap yeah um so let's just kind of preface this conversation and there's going to be some questions that I'm going to ask Rye and he hasn't seen these questions before. So, um, we'll kind of see what transpires and, um, see how the conversation goes. Let's just take a step back, Rye. Let's talk about, you know, when Ollie got diagnosed back in February, mm-hmm. how did you receive the news? Well, I mean, I wasn't happy. But, um, you know, because you expressed yourself so openly right away, I kind of felt like I had to be the quote-unquote rock in the relationship at that point. So, for me, I, I guess I bottled it up maybe or locked it away or just pretended like I was going to be okay with all of it. And um, I just got through it. In the two weeks in the hospital, I was just kind of like slogging through stuff. And then when we got home and, you know, at least we're home, we had our own shower, we had our own bed, we were sleeping better and, you know, we were going through stuff with Ollie and induction was really tough. But, you know, again, I think I just locked it away. Um, and I kind of threw myself into like making music or writing and, um, 
you know, so that was how I got through it. Because you were off of, you had taken FMLA, so you were off of work and you were able to be home with us. Yeah, I took the full 12 weeks because, I mean, I was in a position where I'm a teacher, so I had a lot of sick time saved up because I really hadn't used a lot of it since I started there about 11 years ago. So um, I decided to take the full amount of time that I could which brought me almost right up until the end of May. Then we had summer vacation together. So So you only went back for three weeks, which was great because I don't know how I would have really survived if you weren't able to take that 12 weeks off and be with us because that was such a hard time. And for me, um, again, I could live in, I don't want to say a fantasy world, but I could live in a, a... uh, like a stress-free, not stress-free, but I mean, like, you didn't have the pressure of work. Yeah, I didn't have the pressure of work, and I was going back when it was finals and the end of the school year, and it's just not the same as, like, the regular school year. So I only had to go back for three weeks of that, then I had the summer off, too. Because so, it was a finite period of time. Right, so I, again, I, I was able to not have to deal with any emotions about any of that either, because, you know, I was only going back for such a short amount of time. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Let me let you in on a little secret. I knew nothing about podcasting before I got started. I use anchor.fm because it's super easy. Three top reasons why I use it is because number one, it's free. I don't have to pay anything for it. Number two, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit the podcast right in the platform. And number three, Anchor will actually distribute the podcast for you so it can be heard wherever podcasts are listened to. So download the free Anchor app or go over to anchor.fm to get started and get your ideas out of your head and out into the world. Then when we were off on summer break, we were together and we actually ended up having an, a really nice summer, you, you know, despite the circumstances, um, which was wonderful. We were out, you know, at the park and then we were at yeah, the rail trail. We went to the rail trail a lot and stuff and we started running again, and, which was nice, but we were still isolated. I mean, the only the only really good part about it is my summer, my sisters are also teachers, so they have the summer off too, and we were able to hang out with my nephews and um, the new babies and all that stuff too, as long as nobody was sick, which was great because we could play outside with them, we could be over their house, but we were cut off from the public though. We couldn't do things that we normally would have done with Ollie, so again, that was kind of like tough to deal with too. Yeah, but I feel like we definitely made the best of it. Oh, yeah. And of course, yeah. with the weather being so nice and nobody being in daycare, we were able to set up the pool in the backyard. He was able to run around with his cousins, and um, we steered clear of the sandbox, obviously. But I think kids should always steer clear of the sandbox, by the way. You never know what's in that sandbox. No, it's not that. Just read the package of the sand that you put in there. It says, may cause cancer, like right on it. At least the ones I've seen when people put it in their kids' sandbox. So, go to the beach. Play with real sand. We were able to get to the beach. <laughs> I know what I mean. Really Instead nice of, or, or import sand from the beach, but don't use that sand that you buy at the store because it clearly says right on the label it may cause cancer. So, at least the one that I've seen. So, hmm. Maybe not all of them. What I don't else, want to generalize that. What else did we do this summer that was really making the best of the situation? Well, we, we did dates, which was nice. You know, your parents helped out. My parents helped out a couple times. We were able to do dates, which was nice because we could do them during the week. Mm-hmm. Other people can all the time. You know, we both had time off during the week, so that was easier to do. So we did a date night. Yeah, we One went day to... we went to Boston for the day. Yeah. What did we, we do in Boston? I don't remember. We just went. 
And then... Oh, we went to the Downton Abbey exhibit. Well, that was like September, though. That wasn't... Oh. That wasn't the summer. But still, it was a date day, and it was really nice. I think we did Providence once. Oh, yeah, we went to Providence. Yeah, I think we, we went Providence. to dinner. We want to get ice cream, you know? Because, like, you can be outside when you go to get ice cream. So, like, we would go to get ice cream with him, and that felt like a normal summer thing to do. Yeah, although the know? first time I was really nervous, and, of course, we stayed away from, like, you know, being in the middle of any crowds. But we were still able to be with everyone, with our family, and do that. So that was a huge deal. Um, and then if we can kind of talk a little bit about, like, your transition back to work. I know that there's, mm. you know, unfortunately a lot of parents that don't have a choice that weren't able to take that much time off as you did with me, and currently right. I'm home with Ollie. So can you kind of talk about that transition? Because even living with you right now, and, you know, we see each other all the time, I don't know if we've really had sat down and had a conversation about how your transition has been for you well it wasn't easy um i mean in fact i was dreading it i um i have pretty bad anxiety so it was it, it was really tough you know going from having <laughs> pretty much uh the whole year off up until september was uh it was really tough to transition back to work you know, because all I would constantly think about was, like, you and Ollie, and it didn't help that right when I went back, he had to go in for a hospital stay. Was that one of the unplanned ones? <laughs> yeah, that was one of the unplanned ones. He got a fever, I think, from the chemo. Oh, yeah. And um, I just, you know, I've been, I've had some panic attacks. I've had some depression. I've been trying to work through it. I'm going to therapy now for it. Um, and... I'm taking a med now. I just started actually today. Um, but it was it was really tough. And I didn't know what it was at first. You know, I was shaking and twitching all the time. I had headaches. Um, sometimes I felt like I couldn't breathe. My insomnia became really, really bad. But there's the pressure of, of you know, you're the breadwinner, quote unquote, because we have our insurance through me and we need our money for rent and all the other things through me. So it makes sense that I go back, you know, and I want you to be with him at home, but it's difficult to deal with the fact that I'm not home with him because before I would come home and see Ollie and I took that time for granted. You know, I took the time that I had with him as a kid for granted. And then when you get a diagnosis like this, it puts life into perspective of oh, like... Oh, you mean pre-diagnosis? Yeah, pre-diagnosis. Pre I would come home and I would play with him. But, you know, I didn't... I guess I didn't feel like every day was a gift back then, even though I probably should have. I wasn't thinking that way. I think you have to give yourself a little bit of grace. That no, but... Like there's a lot of people that right, I know. feel that way. I know, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not saying that that's, that that's something that I'm, I beat myself up about or anything. But what I'm saying is, is that this experience has made me realize that. So the days that I'm at work and away from him are much harder because I miss those routines of being with him. I miss going to the clinic with you guys. And it's just, it's, it is stressful being back where I mean, I'm starting to get a little better now. I'm starting to finally feel a little bit more like myself. The therapy has definitely been, ha been helping me being able to talk to someone about this stuff and work through it. Um, I don't know what the medication's going to do. Cause like I said, I literally just started it today, but, um, I am feeling a little bit better. I've slept a little bit better. Melatonin has helped me sleep. Um, 
I know the consensus is an out on melatonin, but it definitely helps me. I take three milligrams and that's really the only thing that had been getting me to sleep for this last week um, because it had really reached a fever pitch of me not sleeping at all. Um, so this has been helping. So do you feel like, you know, for listeners, maybe there's other dads that are listening or uncles. Um, or even like single have, moms or that single have to go back to work right away. That are going back to work. Do you feel like your symptoms that you were having in your body, you weren't able to pinpoint exactly the cause of it? No, I wasn't. And, I, and I'm a hypochondriac too, so I was thinking it was everything under the sun. Um, you know, but the more I've read about anxiety and depression um, and ADHD, because I have all three, um, the more I'm realizing that it can lead to these like manic episodes. It can lead to like a real shutdown of your life. It can be extremely debilitating. Um, and it makes you different than who you normally are. Um, and so, yeah, you really should seek help about it though. And I'm and, glad that I am. And the great thing, I think, you know, every marriage and every partnership is different, but one of the things that I feel has really been helping us is to be completely open and honest with each other and creating that, you know, five minutes here or 10 minutes there to literally say, hey, we're going to talk about this for 10 minutes and then we're going to stop and we're going to watch something funny, like stand up, you know, or we watched Anchorman last night. Or of course I fell asleep. I watched couch, Anchorman. So. <laughs> I watched I Anchorman on the last couch. night. Jackie watched about twenty minutes of Anchorman last no, night. No, I would say more than half the movie I watched. That's and then not. I fell it's definitely not more than half. The movie. <laughs> I love you, but all right, maybe forty minutes. Hey, of the, the movie. effort was there. The right? effort was there. I guess. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that that definitely has been helping us kind of be supportive of each other and. And know that we're both grieving this differently and we're both trying to figure out what's going to work for us as individuals, but also not shutting the other person out. And, you know, Rai had mentioned that he's going to therapy and I've seeked out a therapist and then another program, a grief recovery program that I've been going through. So, of course, you know, going through grief and going through loss, any a relationship that you've had with that person that has either lost their, you know, loss of health or um, are no longer with us, that is unique to everybody. And of course, what we're doing and what we're trying is not the end all be all. It could change next week. It's always in motion. And it's always fluid. That mm. Do you kind of feel the same way or do you look at it differently, Ray? Sorry, repeat that again? Like when you're going through grief, do you yeah. feel that people, you know, don't really know what the right thing is to do to fix it? You kind of have to trial and error it to figure out what's going to help. As an individual? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've dealt with grief well. So I think that my way of dealing with grief was much different than yours. You let yours out right away. I didn't do that. Um, and so I think, you know, personally, that kind of held me back from getting better quicker. So do you feel like you, you had mentioned, you know, you had to be strong. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like if you could go back, would you have let everything out right away? I definitely would have dealt with it, I think, quicker than I have. How so? Well, I, I mean, I probably would have started therapy while I was off work to deal with it, to process through it while I was going through it. Um, 
because, you know, I knew it was there. You know, it's always nagging in the back of your mind. I was always tired. I didn't really have a lot of energy. Even I was getting like nine hours of sleep, which I never get nine hours of sleep. But I'd wake up and I'd still feel tired, mm -hmm. you know? And that was the depression of everything that was going on. And I was ha I was having manic, you know, highs too, where I'd work on a song. I was like, this is the best song I've ever written, you know? Or I'd work on my book and be like, oh, it's great. You know what I mean? So there were things where... I was having manic highs and not recognizing them that way and just thinking like, oh, this is like, you know, a normal reaction to, you know, trying to deal with grief. And I was like, when I went back to school for those three weeks, I even like was telling the kids like, oh, I look at life so differently now. Like I'm so positive about everything, but it's not true. I was like, I was being fake. You know, I was like hiding my grief because I'm naturally a pessimist. Like just going through therapy, I've realized that I'm naturally a pessimistic person. And I was trying so hard to be an optimist. Um, and I feel like I need to find a better balance. I can't just be one or the other. And I think that was the, the real, um, real moment where I realized that I was not really being true to my emotions was when I was doing these three weeks with the kids at school. And I was like fakely acting, you know, like, oh, my life, you know, it's great. And like, look on the sunny side. And that's not how I was really feeling. I was disguising it. So... Yeah, That's when I realized I it was a problem. I feel like a lot of people can relate, you know, Ryan, to your story of going back to work and feeling like they have to put on a facade and just kind of like, you know, be strong for others so that, um, you know, others don't really know how to react to your grief or how to react to your loss. And so it kind of makes it easier on them in a way if you feel like you can just put on a face and get through the day. But to be completely candid, when you came home... It was almost as though you put your armor down and you just kind of fell apart. And I think that that, you know, that in a way you're protecting your heart because you're working, you have to work. And I'm forever grateful that, you know, you have this job and we have the health insurance. But I feel like a lot of people listening can relate um, to your circumstance and it's really hard. It's hard being home full time and it's hard working full time. So nothing is easy. Well, you know, and honestly, I, I, I'm coming from a good community. My work community is good. I have good coworkers. We have a good time. We they've laugh. They've been really supportive. They've been very supportive. They did a fundraiser for Ollie, and the, the whole school constantly asks how he's doing, and I don't have any work problems. That's the thing. And so you would think, like, oh, it would be an easier transition. It's still hard. No matter how great your work circumstance is, Throwing yourself into your work at times like this is just kind of not dealing with what's going on. Mm -hmm. You're literally using another shield, another piece of armor to, to, to say like, no, no, I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm going to throw myself into work. Or, and I haven't been able to do that anyway. So it's been affecting me more than other people maybe because maybe they're putting up that armor and they're delving into work. And right now it's okay. Um, but I think eventually everyone has to deal with the emotions of this, no matter how you know, no matter how strong, you know, your kid is, it's still a battle. It's like a three-year battle. This doesn't end right. for three years. And not years. only that, but your whole, I keep saying my whole DNA has been restructured. Right. The whole way I look at, you know, I used to be so optimistic, and I still am, but it definitely has kind of, I don't know what the right word is, kind of left a stain on that complete, you know, sense of optimism that I had and just knowing that, you know, dark things really do happen. Um, so 
Right. If we can talk a little bit about how, um, you know, you're working through your emotions, like what has been the most helpful thing either as, that you're, what you're uh, doing as an individual or what we're doing in our marriage or what our family and our extended friends are doing to support us. Support us. So the first thing that really has helped me start to get out of this funk is the, is the therapy. Just being able to talk about it with someone else and they just listen and then, you know, sometimes he'll offer some advice about how I'm thinking or, or ways to think differently. And you're uh, just a couple of weeks in, right? It's four, four weeks mm -hmm. in. So about a month. Okay. Yeah. But the first thing that, you know, he said to me about dealing with it was when you're getting into that negative space, which I always, I generally go to the negative space because... You know, I have ADHD and my mind's always racing. I'm always having thoughts about stuff. And I generally tend to go into a negative space more often than not. Wait, that's funny that you say that you generally go right into the negative space when you know I was falling apart during diagnosis, but you held it together. So you kind of put it in a box and just didn't deal with it because I was going to Well, the it. emotion that I played with was like, there's nothing I can do about this anyway. So it was a negative thought. It wasn't a positive thought. My, my first thought wasn't, oh, we're going to beat this. My first thought was, there's nothing we can do about this diagnosis except face it. It wasn't a positive thing. Like, later it turned into positive, like, after the first day. But the first day, I was so devastated, and I thought, like, there's nothing we can do about this. Like, they said the word cancer, mm -hmm. which I didn't think they were going to say, you know? And my brain went negative. But then, like, the more we talked with our doctor, and the more we talked that weekend with them about how treatment would start on, on that Tuesday... The more confident I felt like, okay, Ollie can beat this. He's a strong kid. Then it turned positive, but my initial thought was negative. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically that therapy, what, what my therapist has been telling me, she says that, you know, when you get that negative thought, Ryan, the first thing you should do is try to think of something more positive or try to think of another thing so that you don't stay on the negative thought. And, you know, I've been working on that for the last few weeks. And at first it was a real struggle. But now I'm trying to do that all the time. Um, You're almost reprogramming your brain. Which is really hard to do because I've been really this hard. way for 37 years. So um, it's very hard to do, but I am trying every single day. And it's little things. Like when I wake up and I can't fall back to sleep right away. So you wake up in the middle of the night. Yeah. Um, I used to look at the clock just to know what time it was. Now I don't. That was the first step I took. So and I'm like, I no. I never do. <laughs> right. I, I, I wake up and I would look at my clock. And I would say, oh, man, I only have three hours left until I have to get up for work. Now, I don't do that. I don't look at the clock. I say, I don't care what time it is. I'm just going to try and go back to sleep. And for me, since my mind races and I have anxiety, um, my heart beats fast. It's hard for me to fall asleep. So what I've been trying to do is, like, tell myself little stories in my head or sing a song over and over again to distract myself so that I can hopefully fall back to sleep. And it's been working off and on. It's a struggle, but... Um, it's one of the reasons I started taking melatonin again, because it's definitely helped me fall back to sleep. So, um, so that's, that's something too. I feel um, like there's definitely been a major shift in you since you started going to talk with the therapist and mm -hmm. being able to have that awareness, like you were just talking about awareness of the emotion that you're feeling and stopping yourself and recognizing that emotion and then working hard to, push past it or sit in that moment when you need to. And then when it doesn't serve you anymore to push past it, mm. um, <clears throat> which of course is different for everybody. And I, I really appreciate you, Rye, just being like so open because 
the main reason why I wanted to have you on is to talk about, you know, is there a difference between moms and dads or males and females handling this traumatic event? Or is it different for everybody? I think it's different for everybody. But um, if you are the quote unquote, because we don't, we never really had that traditional, like, you know, I mean, Americana marriage where like you were the stay at home housewife and I was going to make all the money. Like that wasn't, you've always wanted to work and have a career too as a teacher. And um, so we were always both going to be working. Right. And it's just circumstances have changed that. Um, but yeah, I think if you are that breadwinner or that head of the family, when it comes to making the money and having the insurance, it's an extra stress, um, that's put on you on top of everything that's going on. And just another thing that helped me deal with this personally, which may be why the anxiety and depression didn't rear their head as much until now is that Ollie is one of my coping mechanisms, like being with him, being around him, playing with him, hearing him laugh, um, hearing him speak, hearing him get excited about the, the game we're playing or the show he's watching or whatever he's doing, that's always been kind of a, a coping mechanism for me. So when I was home all that time, that might be why the anxiety and the depression didn't rear their head as much because I was with him all the time. Mm -hmm. Then I take him away or take that out of the situation on my daily basis and I'm at work for most of my day. Um, it, I think that played a, a major role in why So the triggered. proximity to... Ollie was definitely helping and you. you and you too like being around both of you um has definitely helped you know like and, and you guys helped me deal with it because you you guys are kind of what I stake you know my happiness yeah on. we keep you grounded yeah and that's not to say that you know family doesn't but no it's... family and friends do too like going out with my friends helped too like you know I had a bachelor party over the summer and that was just a lot of fun reconnecting with my friends and um, so, you know, I'm hanging out with my, my sisters and my nephews and my parents and your parents and your sisters, like that helps too, because there are people I'm familiar with, the people I feel comfortable around. There's a sense of normal. A sense normal. of normalcy. Mm -hmm. Um, so that helps too. But like you and Ollie really ground me in the fact that like, you know, when I come home to you guys, like I'm really happy. And when I go to work the next day, it's hard because I'm away from that happiness, you know? So that, that was really tough too. Yeah. What's, um, one thing that you feel has been really helpful in our marriage that has been helping us through this? You insisting on us doing date nights, um, checking in about quality time together, spending time so, with each other. Speaking of quality time, I don't know if I told you guys, but we did a love language quiz. Highly, highly recommend doing a love language quiz with your partner or your spouse. Mine is um, words of affirmation. So hearing words of I appreciate you, I appreciate what you're doing, or thank you for doing that, I really respond well to that. Um, Ryan, your love language is what? Quality time. And so what does that mean to you? Spending time with you and Ollie. <laughs> so if I have to go, you know, do the dishes or clean up everything, um, you would rather have me have the dishes sit in the sink mm -hmm. and just be just be with you guys for that like, moment between dinner and bedtime. Yeah, and again, and that's affected, I think, by the diagnosis, too. I mean, it, before the diagnosis, would I have been upset if you were doing dishes? No, right? Because I was cooking, and then you would do the dishes, and we'd switch off, so it was fine. But now it's more like... <laughs> Everyone tells you your kids grow up fast, right? Like, oh, it goes by in a blur. Your kids are going to grow up so quick. 
You're not going to know where the time went. And the reality is, is like now with this diagnosis, it's even more imperative to me to have that time together as a family, to spend that time with my son, because you're not going to get that time back. He's only going to be this age once. And someday he's going to grow up and he's going to want to be out on his own and not have mom and dad tag along. And that's going to be the time where I realize, like, wow, that went by so quick. He's 11. That's only, think about that. That's less than 10 years away from now, right? So we have this small window of time with him. And this diagnosis has has brought that even more to the forefront than before. And so, you know, that that's one of the reasons why I think quality time for me now, even even more than before, is so important. Yeah, so just being aware of each other's love language has really been helpful because I'll even stop myself sometimes if, you know, I kind of get on a cleaning mode and start cleaning stuff around the house, then I'll kind of say to myself, like, okay, wait, stop for a sec. Does this really need to be done right now? Or, you know, can I go hang out with Ryan and Ollie because he just got home from work? Can we all play as a family? Um, so that's been hard for me because of course I like to keep things organized. I like to, you know, make sure that things are cleaned up and dishes are done. Um, but really just taking a minute to sit back and think like, okay, wait a minute, does this really need to happen right now? Um, so I definitely, you know, think that that's been really helpful in our marriage too. So I'm glad we talked about that. Um, and the date nights have really helped. Yeah. So the date nights, let's talk a little bit about that. So, um, when we were both working full time, of course it was really hard for us to do date nights, Mm. but we would try to do a movie here and there. But, you know, since Ollie's diagnosis and we got out of, you know, I would say like midway through the summer, we were starting to feel a little bit more confident. Yeah. Once he got to consolidation. Yeah. The second phase, we were able to, uh, you know, relax a go little. down, go down the street, go out to dinner while my parents watched him for a couple hours. My parents watched him a couple times. We went to a movie or, mm-hmm. you know, we go out to dinner again. So they were like smaller date nights, you know, it was a more, uh, a closer window of time. And then I think when we came back, no, it Columbus was, day weekend where we actually did an overnight yeah, down. That to was actually Providence, our first overnight without all to Providence, Rhode Island. Like Ryan said, it was our first overnight ever away from Ollie and that was a huge deal and that was exactly what our hearts needed and although I didn't sleep well that night yeah that's I was anxious right. yeah because being away from being him. away from him so I, but I didn't he was sleep fine well. he was fine I just I I myself know that I work myself up I was also coming down with a cold I think so that didn't help anything um but I I uh I, I know I was anxious I had a great time all night but then like when we got back to the hotel and it was like 11:30 at night and I kept thinking to myself like oh I just hope Ollie sleeps through the night I hope that so he's you, you know he's, yeah I was like I hope he sleeps through the night I hope he's not too much trouble for Jackie's parents mm-hmm. I hope that you know there were all these thoughts going through my head like you know I hope that he went to bed okay they took a good bath all these things that like you're normally doing with him every night I got anxious because we didn't do those things with him and I know I should I should have let go and just That's enjoy hard. those moments and I did all night like when we were out to dinner I enjoyed that. We went to one of our favorite restaurants, India, in um, Providence. Providence. And then, then we, you know, went, we to went to Water, Water Fire, Fire, which is beautiful. Yeah. And just, there were fireworks that night. It's this go- these gorgeous bonfires that they light in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And they play 
just the most amazing instrumental music. Yeah, it's a mix of it's a mix of styles. Music and um, we were able to walk around, and that was one thing that you know we used to do as a family every year, even before we had Ollie. We would go down at least once in the sometimes more than once, but yeah, we would sometimes go down once in the summer, once in the fall, but. And so that was a nice sense of normal, you know, normal living, normal thing that we could continue to do. And right, and and then there was a concert because it was like one of the last water fires. It was actually so there was the a, breast cancer awareness yeah, it was. night, the and, Gloria Gemma one. Yeah, and and there was a big concert going on, and we we had a fun time going to that. It's the first concert we've been to in a while, um, and so that was fun. But then when we got back to the hotel room, that's when it hit me. You know, when we were in the silence and you had fallen asleep. Um, I wasn't. I couldn't even get tired. I ended up watching like some random episode of Call Call the Midwife. <laughs> you had started watching, and then I got vested in it and couldn't he fall asleep. It on PBS. I think so. <laughs> you had left it on when you fell asleep on the TV in the hotel, and I was like, "Oh, I never get to fall asleep watching TV anymore because I used to growing up." Jackie hates that, so we haven't done that for years. So I was like, "I'll do that. I'll shut the light and watch TV." And of course, I couldn't. It, it made me even more awake, and then I. Had really a, a really tough time falling asleep. So you felt like your brain couldn't shut off in yeah, the silence. Yeah, but we also had like a really fun night. So it was a lot of stimuli going on when we were out. So that might have, you know, exacerbated the not being able to fall asleep too. You know. So I think also too, you know, Ray, you bring up a good point. Just being in the busyness of life and being in all this stimulation really pushes back your emotions and just. You're not able to really sit in them. And so when you, you know, you had just said when we were sitting in the silence and I was sleeping and it all kind of just came to the forefront again, mm-hmm. that this is all the stuff that we're going through. That's hard. Yeah. It's not easy to deal with that. Yeah. You know, but at the same time, at least I was starting to deal with it. That's a really good point. You know, for, for, for what, almost eight months I didn't so for eight months I put it off dealing with it bottled it up hit it and then I was finally starting to deal with it so it was all hitting me you know this was back in what September that this we went there mm-hmm. right was it September mm-hmm. or was it October I can't remember Columbus Day weekend Columbus Day weekend so it was yeah but I mean it, it wasn't that long after starting back to work you know so so yeah I think there was a lot going on yeah, and you know, it's not easy moving through all these stages of emotion because of course you don't know what's going to help you kind of move to that next level, but as you guys can hear, you know, Ryan's tried multiple different things and I'm trying some different things and it might work, it might not, but at least I can feel some sense of accomplishment and knowing that I am trying to move forward and, of course, not forget what we've been through, but kind of be able to sit in that emotion, sit in that anxiety or that frustration or that anger or the happiness Mm. and then be able to move forward from that. Um, So, right, we talked a little bit about how you feel this whole diagnosis Mm. has changed you. You had mentioned that, you know, when you went back to work, you were... Telling the kids that you see life differently. Yeah, but that was all a lie, though. That wasn't. <laughs> that was that was. I don't want to say it was all a lie, but it was a, it was a facade again. It was like it was trying to tell these these kids something that wasn't true because they were continually asking me how Ollie was doing, how I was doing, 
So and I didn't were wanna... you, did you really feel that you weren't going through, like you weren't able to be ha- not happy in that moment, but you weren't able to tell your true self? Your no, it wasn't self. that. It was more, it wasn't not telling my true self. It was, maybe it was that, but I mean, what I mean is I still hadn't really come to terms with it. I was, gotcha. I was still myself on those manic highs of, of like, no, life's good. Like, even though this happened, like we can, we're going to get through it. And like now every day is a gift. And now I do think every day is a gift, by the way. Like I, I, I definitely have changed my mindset in that. And, you know, another thing this has changed for me too is like, you know, I was brought up, um, Catholic and I, I stopped going like a long time ago. Um, you know, and I don't know if I formally believe in religion, but like, I do want to, I do want to try to come to terms with faith a little bit more and spirituality a little bit more because this has made me feel so strongly connected to you and Ollie and it's made me realize that there is a sense of connection that I'm missing from not having some sort of, not like religion or faith, but belief system, you know? And so I've been, I've been privately grappling with that too. And that's mm-hmm. something that's changed for me that I would never have thought of. You know, I was probably considered a, what, an agnostic or an atheist or whatever for like years because it wasn't something I thought of anymore. It wasn't something I talked about. Now I've been thinking about it a lot more um, and thinking about my place here and all these place here and all of our place in this life. So I've been thinking about that a lot more, you know? Yeah. Cause you just reevaluate everything. And you know, it's funny that you had said that because I feel like I'm not even really at that stage yet. So it's interesting to hear, you know, how, we're both going through our own head, but then we're able to talk about it and say, you know, I'm not even there yet, but you're there yet. And we'll just kind of figure it out as we go. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I, like I said, I've been privately grappling with this. I haven't even talked to you about it really that often. I mean, I think I mentioned it to you once or twice, but you know, I, I know that it's a struggle faith. Um, I've just never really had a strong one to religion because I've always just felt like religion's been written by men. Um, so I've never had a strong pull to that. Um, but I have had a stronger pull to the idea of this connectedness that we all have. So like that's that's something that I've really been reevaluating mm-hmm. um, recently in my life. So that's changed in me too. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that, you know you had mentioned that we're not very religious in a sense that we don't go to church every weekend. Um, but you pray every night. I pray every night. I join you on it. I don't really say much, but I always join you. I pray every night and it's more to God and the universe and just all that is good Mm. to continue to just pour into our family and pour into all the other families that are going through this or going through anything or going through anything. Um, and it's faith, I think is just something for me. It's something that just is within you. It's not like I have a creed that I follow or, you know, a place that I go to, to worship. It's just already within me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's, 
you know, why we synced up so well when we first started dating because we both had the same mindset about that. Right. You know, it's funny because I feel like in a way, if I was one of of the of the mindset of going to church weekly, I feel like it would be a little bit easier to just kind of continue with that routine and find peace in it. But I feel like it's almost harder because I don't know where to navigate to. I don't know where to go. Right. And that's okay. I mean, like like I said, this is just the beginning of a journey, another journey. You know, I've been starting new journeys this these two months now, all of them trying to get mentally uh, more a, a better mental health. Um, a, a better physical health, you know, I have to start working on that again because I've let that go too. So I had to start working on that and spiritual health, like trying to really reevaluate. And when I say spiritual, I mean like emotional and spiritual, like they're t the same thing to me, mm -hmm. you know, mental to me is more like you getting your head straight, like thinking and processing and physical's body, obviously. And then spiritual, emotional is just like getting your, getting your your spirit back to where it needs to be and centered and, 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 you know, finding that sense of purpose again, you know, that I think I've been kind of lacking, um, since I started going back to work. So, yeah, the sense of purpose piece is really hard because there is no one right answer and no. it's always going to be changing. Right. Right. So, but those are things that have been changing in me. Yeah, and for me, I feel, you know, the sense of purpose, obviously, is to take care of Ollie and make sure that, you know, we have a successful treatment and he is set emotionally and socially and making sure that our marriage is working and we're supporting each other and opening, keeping communication open. Um, that right now for me is at the forefront. But yeah, of course, the bigger picture, you know, I don't want to lose track of lose my goals and things that I was working on before mm. Ollie got diagnosed. But it is, it is tricky because, you know, I question, well, what's the right next step? Right. That's what we pray for every night to help us make the next right step for our family. But I don't think there's a next right step. I think that's how we all think, right? We think in five year plans and this plan and that plan well, they're comforting to right. think of that way. But of course, it never happens. Well, the reality for me is like, just again, going through this is like, every day is a gift, you know? And I'm starting to learn, and my therapist said, you know, it's like, and I always go back to Star Wars, but it's like Yoda told Luke to be living in the present, you know? Because he was always thinking about where he's been or where he was going. And that was me. My whole life, I've always thought about like, oh, why can't it be like it used to be? Or like... You know, what's going to happen in five years, what's going to happen in 10 years. I never focused on that day fully. You know, and now I'm working on trying to focus on that day fully. And I think just by doing that, that's a great plan. Just focusing on today, focusing on the thing I have to get through today, mm -hmm. focusing on seeing you and Ollie today, doing a good job at work today. Maybe something really funny is going to happen at school. Maybe something, you know, great's going to happen at school. Maybe it's not, but I'm going into it with the mentality now of like, I have to be more present and be more in the day because I really haven't been living like that for a long time. What yeah. are some things that have been helping you live in the day? I literally think about Yoda talking to Luke. I'm <laughs> hey, not even kidding. Whatever helps. Whatever helps. I'm, I'm legit. It's, you know, you're not really into Star Wars. But I watch them. You've watched them for me. But those of you who are into Star Wars, you know that scene in Empire Strikes Back 
where Luke is training with Yoda to become a Jedi. And Yoda says that to him. You know, Yoda tells him, and it's a metaphor for all of us. Like, you're never really fully in the present, you know? And it's part of our societal values, though. Like, we, we have kids plan for their college future before they're even 19 years old. And that's what they're going to do for the rest of their lives. You know, like, oh, hey, you're 18 years old. Decide what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. like, it's crazy when you really think about it. And we do it all the time in, in our society. And there's all these expectations on the future. And like planning for retirement and planning for, which you might not even see. Yeah. And, it's <laughs> and I, I, I know it's smart. It's like, tough. No, and I know it's smart. You have to save for retirement. You have to go to college, maybe. You don't really have to. I mean, you could go into a trade if you want. But, you know, it, you have to plan for the future somewhat. But the reality is we put such a stress on the future in our society that all of us are continually thinking about the next season of a show, the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And we're not thinking about like, okay, but today, right? And I just keep going back to Yoda, sitting there with Luke, telling him this. And that, like, I know it's a silly thing, but that's literally been getting me through it and helping me realize to live in the present every single day, you know? And I look at Ollie as my little Yoda. He you is know? little Yoda. He's, he's like my little cutie. Yoda. I see him and, you know, he's about the same size as Yoda right now. <laughs> Just over three feet. <laughs> just over three feet. Um, so he looks a little like the Yoda man. Um, and he just kind of, when I see him, I think of Yoda right now. And I just think of like that saying, just keep your mind in the present. And that's been helping me mm -hmm. this last couple weeks. And this is only the last couple of weeks, by the way, that I've been dealing with it. So, mm -hmm. but the last couple of weeks, it has been helping me to do this. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm curious to know from our listeners, like what's been helping you guys definitely share with us what, you know, has been helpful or some things that, you know, you have been kind of working towards either in your marriage or something that you've been working towards as an individual to kind of help you through this whole process. Um, so in closing, you know, right. I try to ask everybody that's on the podcast, mm. what motivates you to do life? <laughs> that's a big question. Um, you, Ollie, my family, my friends, Yoda. Can't forget him. No. Sunny days. Your music. My music. Writing. Being creative. Being creative. Talking with my students. Hearing their, about their lives too. Realizing we're all kind of going through the same stuff, even though we deal with it at different ages and in different ways. And, um, you know, just knowing that I'm above the ground and I'm, I'm here today. Like that's been motivating me a lot lately in the last couple of weeks that I'm, I'm here and I'm alive and it's a gift every day. And I have to keep thinking that because mm -hmm. I haven't for 37 years and I have to start doing it now. So I have to keep saying that to myself every day. Mm -hmm. It's like my new mantra. Today is a gift. Today is a gift. Mm -hmm. I can't remember. I don't remember what book it was. I think it might be Tuesdays with Maury. Um, I teach it to my seniors. And he, I think he tells a story of a Buddhist monk and how the Buddhist monk turns to his shoulder every day and there's a bird there. And every day he says to the bird, is today the day I'm going to die? 
and the bird doesn't answer him and the bird flies away and he goes okay then i'll keep living and and i think that that i think that's the i think that's the whole story but it's a it's a short little story but it's a smart thing um is today the day i'm going to die and he doesn't get an answer back because we don't know when that's going to happen so okay then i'm going to go live today and i'm going to focus on today and i think that that's a good mantra to have to motivate yourself every day and, and it can be tough some you. days it's a gray day out and i don't want to get out of bed it's tough if i have a headache and then you know i'm not feeling like myself it's tough um if ollie's having a rough morning didn't sleep well it's tough if you're having a rough day it's tough mm -hmm. so like there are there are mitigating factors but waking up every day and trying to say to myself today is a gift you're alive go live for the last couple of weeks has been helping me get some semblance of myself back so. yeah and one last question like do you feel that you know as a male do you feel that going towards community and talking with other dads is that something that you're intentionally staying away from or is something that just doesn't interest you um for me it's like the social anxiety part of it like i'm not good at meeting new people usually uh, I think that's why I get so anxious at the start of a school year when I meet my new students. But I mean, in terms, this question is in the context yeah. of Ollie's diagnosis. Oh, okay. How I've been gravitating towards community. Mm. I've been gravitating towards reaching out, towards talking with other moms, talking with people that have gone through it, joining the Facebook groups, getting information. Does that seem overwhelming to you? Does that seem... Yeah, it actually does. So, so for me, um, one of the reasons I haven't really reached out to any of those groups or anything like that is because it's a reminder of the disease. Um, it's... Uh, it's, I don't like to focus on it. Again, I think like that it might be a shield that I put up, but I, I feel like we focus on it so much by giving him his meds and making sure he's okay. If I focus on it more than that, then it's going to be too overwhelming for me. And it's going to shut me down again. Um, and, you know, and that, I think that's one of the reasons I stayed away from all the stuff like uh, the message boards and the groups and the videos and the, and the books and the yeah. books and everything is because I, I, I've got so much going on. And to join into that community or throw myself into it, it's going to be even more overwhelming, you know? And I think that that's what keeps me away from it a little bit. But I feel like I'm that's... also a little bit more of like, uh, I get anxious in groups. I get anxious in a, a group setting. Um, you know, I get nervous and it's hard for me to be around new people sometimes. But I think yeah. that's men in general <laughs> sometimes. Not all men. But I think that men in general are, are, maybe they're just accepting of being alone more than women are. I think women are more socially conscious and men are more internally driven. Do you ever feel like, you know, that old saying like, you know, you have to just take care of yourself and not open up. Whatever that old saying is. I don't know what that guys, saying is. You know, that old saying. That old saying, the random old saying that we don't really know. <laughs> what is it? That saying where you just have to kind of like keep your emotions in a bottle. Oh, like, oh, like suck it up mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I think a lot of men do that. I don't normally, I don't really do that. I don't think. Um, I don't just suck it up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like I'm talking with you openly about it right mm -hmm. now. Um but something like this is more conducive to me anyway. It's more one-on-one -on -one thing, like going to therapy or mm -hmm. talking with you has been more um, enlightening for me than going to like a group and talking to a group or joining a Facebook group. Mm -hmm. Like those things don't appeal to me. They never really did though for anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, being in band since I was like 16 years old, I, I should probably have been more 
socially conscious and MySpace and Facebook and all those things. I never have been. Um, and I, I never so really... it's not like you feel like you're missing out. Right. You just, you're, you just don't need it. No, I just feel like I'm easy enough to get along with. I think when people meet me, they think like, oh, he's a nice person or he seems nice or you know, funny or whatever. But the reality is, is like, you know, I have my small group of friends, I have my family, and it's hard enough to dedicate time to all of those people, never mind trying to make new friends or trying to reach out to new people. And for me, it's like, I just don't have the time or the energy to do that. And so like joining all these groups and stuff, then it's more people I feel like, I always feel obligated. So I'll feel like obligated to talk to them or obligated to listen to them or, and I like, feel like I, this goes back to your love language of quality time. Right. Where you like I know to that spend I quality like, time with right. people. And I know I like people to listen to me. I like people to hear what I have to say when I talk to them about stuff. And so like I don't want to disregard other people. And so if I get involved with those other people, then I'll have to care. And then I'm caring about so many people that I'll feel like overwhelmed. Right? And so like that's one of the things. So that's one of the reasons I stay away from it. And I think that's one thing that works really well in our marriage is that I'm a data person. I like to be social. I like to talk with other people. I like to make connections. I like to give them words of affirmation. I like to receive words of affirmation. So words to me is very powerful and quality time is kind of like secondary right. to that. And I think people misconstrue me as like a social butterfly because a lot of people when they meet me think like, oh, he, he'll talk to anyone about anything. But that's because I'm so, f I was going to swear, <laughs> that's because I'm so freaking nervous and I, I don't know what else to do. So I awkwardly start talking about anything. And I use my sense of humor because, like, I don't know what else to do. I'm, like, put into this social situation. And now I've got to talk to people. And so I, I legitimately revert to those things as, like, a defense mechanism of, okay, like, I've been thrown into this, you know, social situation. Now deal with it. So it's Be a funny, little uncomfortable. Yeah, and my ADHD kicks in. I start randomly spouting off random things to talk about, and I'll jump to the next subject without even having a finished conversation. And, and you know, that's just me, I guess. Like, that's just me as a person. But that's know? why I love you. <laughs> you love me because of my That's why I love you, because you're mysterious sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, having open communication and really being able to talk candidly about how we're both feeling and what we're going through and not guessing what the other person is thinking about or not making a judgment about it, but really having, you know, hard conversations and, and just being very honest with each other, I feel has really helped us through this really, really dark time and to be more supportive of each other. Yeah. Yes. So, Ray, I want to thank you so much for being really open yeah. and honest um, about everything, you know, and I think one of the things that everybody needs to kind of keep in mind, and I certainly do too every time that I hop on, you know, the mic, that everybody's handling this differently and there's no one right way to handle it. Um and we're all just doing the best that we can. So thanks so much, Rye. I really appreciate your time. No problem. On. Love you. Love you. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for taking the time to listen to another episode of the All Mama Care podcast. I hope you gained something from this episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or tag All Mama Care in your social media. 
You never know what people are going through behind closed doors, and sometimes just opening up a conversation with the words, hey, I was listening to a podcast, can make a hard conversation a little easier. Make sure to join me over on Instagram and Facebook so we can continue the conversation and I can respond directly to you. Sometimes I pop on live and I share what's on my mind that day and other days I'm looking to connect and see if anyone else is going through similar things that we're going through. If you feel there's a topic you'd like me to talk about, please let me know because chances are if you want to hear about it, others do too. I love connecting with others, and so far, this has been a wonderful project. I've met so many people from around the globe. As always, my intention is to build each other up, even in our darkest hour. Tune in next week as I speak with Maureen LaTondra, a certified life coach. I've known her for over 10 years and had the pleasure of attending one of her women's circles. Maureen and I talk about love languages. We talk about how to identify your love language and how to use that to help people help you through grief. We also talk about how self-care is different from selfishness and everything else in between.